I'm Major Robinson, Juanita Vero, Chris Warden, Barb Sistero, Jim Swan, Adriana Hines. This is Sherry Jarvis. Hello, this is Samuel Enemy Hunter from Lodgegrass, Montana. From Greeno, Montana. From Rocky Boy. From Virginia City, Montana. Helena, Montana. And you're listening to. And you are listening to. Listen first. Listen first. You're listening to Listen First, Montana. Hi, this is Chantelle Schieffer, President and CEO of Leadership Montana. Views and opinions shared by guests of Listen First Montana do not reflect the opinions of all of our alumni or organization. We are a large group with lots of opinions, believe me. If you hear something that makes you uncomfortable, we invite you to listen deeply, listen hard, and listen first. Hello and welcome to Listen First Montana, a podcast of Leadership Montana. I'm Eric Halverson. You're listening to a special mini-series of this podcast, focused on Leadership Montana's newest program, the Indigenous Immersion Initiative. About 20 Leadership Montana alumni are participating in this new program, and you'll hear from them as they visit four different tribal nations. Their reflections on this podcast offer listeners a wide range of perspectives, insights, and levels of familiarity with the communities this group will visit. For this episode, let's head to Northern Cheyenne Nation for a conversation between Chris Warden of Missoula and Emily Yost of Livingston. Hi, this is Chris Warden with the Leadership Montana Indigenous Immersion Initiative, and we are talking to you today from the Northern Cheyenne Reservation just outside of Lame Deer. We've spent the morning at the Wild Rose Center uh, meeting with people in the community, and we're headed into Lame Deer to visit with some people there. And um, I have with me today Emily Yost, who is also a participant in the program. and. Emily, I was wondering if you would be open to talking a little bit this morning about why you joined the Indigenous Immersion Initiative and kind of what had you say yes to the program. Well, I'm really glad that the program and the people organizing it said yes to me. Um, so I realized in work and in my personal life that I didn't have Native perspectives. I didn't, And why is that? Why don't I have friends or work connections or people in other communities in my life that are Native that I'm aware of? And I felt like that was missing. So I'm really glad the program said yes to me. How about you, Chris? Why did you say yes to Yeah, well, I said yes, I think for a similar reason. I have always, well, I guess I could step back and say that one of the biggest gifts that Leadership Montana gave me when I went through the flagship program and then the master's program is through our travels across Montana, you get to slip yourself into the shoes of so many different people and you get to see the world from their eyes and you get to experience um, their communities through them really inviting you into their communities. In a way, you kind of get to go backstage and um, really get to know people and kind of what makes them tick. And um, in the early days of Leadership Montana, 
I don't know that we really had the access to do that in Indian country and into these indigenous communities. And through the leadership of, of people like Chantal and even uh, Bruce and Sharon, two of the early founders of Leadership Montana, we've really been working to reach out to indigenous leaders. And um, I think originally it was to maybe bring them into Leadership Montana into our community. And what we found out over time is that they've been willing to bring us into their communities. And when this program was first envisioned uh, and it was discussed, I agreed that being able to come have this opportunity to truly immerse yourself in someone else's culture and particularly indigenous culture could be potentially a, a life-changing experience for me but something that is really important for all leaders in Montana if we're really um, working to come together as one community in Montana and really understand everybody in Montana. Yeah so Emily I was kind of curious as we, you know, we're more than halfway through kind of our journey. Is there anything that has surprised you that you've learned along the way that you didn't expect? I think what has surprised me or stood out to me from the beginning was a statement that Major Robinson uh, shared with us and I've heard from other people in the communities that we visited and that was, we are still here. And when I first heard that, I didn't quite understand what that meant. What stood out to me was the inverse. What you were missing, I didn't quite understand the significance of the statement. Mm -hmm. But as we've gone through the program and starting with the history and policies, um, it, it meant something different and it captured um, things that I didn't know mm. about our own history. Mm-hmm. And now I have seen that transition into hope. And as one of our other classmates said, pragmatic optimism mm-hmm. um, from these communities. And we are still here feels like an act of hope, yeah. of being. So, yeah. That's really good. Would you be willing to share with listeners like some of those things that you learned that were kind of about um, the history with the indigenous tribes that was was really confronting and some things that we, I think as white people, needed to learn about and, and face? So for me, we are still here is the result in of bad federal policy as we learned Mm -hmm. policy that was intended to eliminate Native Americans as Mm -hmm. people these humans neighbors um, I'm looking at you eye to eye right now eliminating another person and families and it was deliberate it was pretty successful yeah not entirely successful because we are still here. That's correct. Is what I heard. And I have been struck by the violence that I was unaware of. And I don't just mean physical violence, but policy violence. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's been missing, I think, from... I was unaware of a lot of it or hasn't been raised to the surface or I missed it um, and 
I think that's probably common for a lot of white people. Yeah. I think maybe at best we learn some of the history around it and maybe the facts, but we don't maybe really understand what it was all about. And um, it's interesting. That's what, what I've been most surprised for me is my reaction to learning those things. And... I, I guess coming into this program, I knew that I would learn new things and I would see new perspectives. But I think what has happened to me is more like, what is my role in it? And how do I come to grips with what has occurred in history? Because it's really, I think, easy for a white person like me to say, well, you know, those are past times and I wasn't directly involved. and you know, we've come so far. And I think that's where I started the program. And that's not where I'm at now. I actually feel a great deal of um, kind of personal guilt and pain for what happened. And um, I actually think that's right for where I'm at. And I think there's a lot of healing to do both within Indian country and outside of it. Um, and maybe there's even a need as we try to build bridges to the future is that we also, we need to heal together. That's something that I've been struck by at this session is the need for healing within Native communities, but we need to do it together yeah. because we need to heal too. Yeah. I think there's a lot of power in that. And I'd like to lean into it more, which is why I'm really glad we have a few more sessions. Me too. And I think six months ago, if I would be surprised that I would be having this conversation. Mm -hmm. So thanks for sharing what you were surprised by and letting me share what I was surprised by. And I'm still working through it. And it's been, one of the challenges for me has been articulating my feelings probably around guilt hmm. um, around this topic and so I'm glad that we have some more time so that I can work through my own reflection and also begin to share that with yeah. other people and have those discussions more comfortably because I think I had some discomfort about talking about race with yeah. my friends and my communities and um I think starting within myself and identifying how I feel and noticing my own thoughts. And I, I wonder, where did that thought come from? I didn't realize I held that notion or idea about people. I wasn't even aware that I held that. Where it almost doesn't matter where it came from for me right now because I'm noticing within myself and through self-awareness. Um, working through more reflection on what has happened and what do I do in the future? Yeah. I think what's neat for me about this program is I don't know that every Leadership Montana program before has kind of wrapped up with a pretty bow on it, but in a way it has.
you know, we've been seeking to build relationships or gather knowledge or share things and come up with solutions and, you know, for a better Montana. And, and this one for me, I, I like that uh, immersion is in the title because I feel like that's what we're doing. It's very different than the other Leadership Montana programs that I've been involved in where there's much more structured conversations and structured agendas and you're gathering that knowledge and having discussions and coming up with solutions. It's, I, I feel like in a way I've just started on what I can do with what I've learned and that, you know, for the lack of just not sounding completely corny, I more feel like we're um, in this program, you have the opportunity to kind of listen to the wisdom of the people that were around. And sometimes that takes a little bit of time, particularly as we go back to our lives and kind of sit with it and, you know, come to grips with kind of our role in history and, and where we're going to go with it. I think one of the important pieces to this program is that it is through a native lens <laughs> this immersion program mm -hmm. and one of the things that I have gotten out of this is noticing the value of doing things at the right time and doing the right next thing mm -hmm. at the time what was what did he say today um, as long, do something as long as it takes yes and then move on to the next thing. Emily and I had an opportunity to listen to some cultural leaders from Northern Cheyenne, and they were talking about Indian time and it kind of being a real concept. And um, rather than looking at it, I think, from the traditional white perspective, which is, you know, why are Indian people running late, you know, or why aren't things conforming to a schedule? and you know, we've kind of got to go, go, go. We have things we need to achieve that I think what we're learning is that at least maybe I'll, I'll speak for myself here and I'm kind of interested, Emily, if, if you would say a little bit more on this topic is that we're learning, I think that we're on a journey here and that kind of just like the, the cycles of life, things kind of take a course and they take their own time. You can't go too fast you need to just take the time and uh, it reminds me of when I was a much younger and I had a martial arts teacher once who said you're pretty talented I'd like to talk to you about you know being in the black belt program and I said great I've kind of been excited to hear about that we were talking about how long it would take and he said you know I think in six or seven years you could achieve the end of the program and I said well I'm gonna I'm gonna work twice as hard and get there in half the time and he said oh I may have picked the wrong person because for somebody like you it might take 10 years <laughs> and uh, a, a little bit that's I think what we're learning in this immersion is in a way we can't rush it we need to be open to the people we meet, the conversations we have, and kind of the natural flow of where it goes. At least that's what it is for me. Tell me a little bit more about what it is for you. For me, it's been self-awareness of 
becoming more self-aware of the dominant culture that mm-hmm. I live in. Mm-hmm. And I've heard this described as the f- a fish doesn't know that it's in water. And that is something that I am beginning to work through and notice more. ask you a question and kind of take it in a different direction and um, you know I think we have the opportunity to learn a lot of things we haven't learned before see it from a different perspective and in a lot of cases it can be really confronting in a way for me it's been positive it's also been healing Um, but one of the big areas of gratitude that I have with all the indigenous leaders that have so graciously hosted us it is it hasn't been all like deep conversations they've been sharing with us their culture and giving us an opportunity to experience things that i've never experienced before and you and i got to do a sweat lodge um a a couple nights ago and i was just wondering if you would share with listeners in a bit like how was that experience for you it was enveloping. So we were out uh, at night and there was a fire that I learned had rocks that were being heated mm-hmm. in it. And we all went in to the sweat lodge and that is kind of when the capital E experience began <laughs> for me. Um, pretty soon after that, the door closed and when after I don't remember the exact sequence of events, but there were those heated rocks, very hot, um, going into this hole in the middle of the sweat lodge, and um, you could see the heat, the red heat emanating yeah, from those rocks. They were the brightest burning embers I think I've ever seen, mm-hmm. or been that close up to. <laughs> and I could just barely see the ring around those rocks and I don't think I could see anybody beside me except for um, our classmate here Barb yeah Barb Um, and then the water hit the rocks and there were other smells from I think it was sage and cedar and at first it was um, quite shocking to my nose and my lungs it was quite hot yes yeah it was (laughs) but I got used to it Um, and then and leaned into it and enjoyed it and one of the things that I will remember always is when the flap opened I could see from where I was sitting um, the flames from the fire going up and I could see that just softly beautifully warmly illuminating Barb's silhouette Mm -hmm. because Barb was sitting by the door she was and between that and the smoke in the lodge um, it was it was all senses mm-hmm. um, but it is a an experience that I will remember with I think all of my senses for a very long time how about you yeah me me too the um, the smells of the different things that were put over the coals through the different rounds were I think I'll always remember that but I think what I will remember the most is um, Major Robinson and a gentleman named Tom who helped conduct the sweat lodge, how just 
I feel like they turned it into an opportunity, not just for us to learn, but to also experience some of the healing that you get through that process, through um, taking such care of us to let us know what are we getting into, what are we doing, what's going to happen, you know, because I think at least me, I, I have a hard time doing anything without knowing what the agenda is in advance. You know, please send me your presentation before we have the meeting so we can really discuss it when you show up. And um, so I was really practicing to kind of set aside my worry about what this would be. And the moment that um, I arrived a little bit earlier than other people to just help them set some stuff up. And I've never felt more welcome in a place in my life. And um, part of that also kind of opened up the doors for me as we went through the different rounds of the sweats to think about, well, what are we working on as individuals and how are we trying to show up in the world and who are some people we want to pray for and think about, like, I could be present for that and they made all of that possible. Um, so that's what I'm going to remember is just how cared for I was. I'm glad you brought up care because that is something else that I was thinking of as um, you walked through that experience. Um, just the care in setting that up for us and then the care that I felt within the sweat lodge and even before it we were staying at the Wild Rose Center with Amber Smith and she very um, carefully um, shared with us what to expect and answered so many questions for us and I think I'm so glad that you you mentioned that yeah hey thanks for talking to me about the program Thanks for going through it with me, Chris. This morning we met with someone from the Lame Deer Trading Post, and now we get the opportunity to go see it with our own eyes. So I'm pretty excited to continue to experience Northern Cheyenne through the people that we've met this week. Let's go have some fun. I'm ready. Thanks to Emily Yost and Chris Warden for that fantastic conversation on this special episode of Listen First Montana's mini-series about Leadership Montana's newest program, the Indigenous Immersion Initiative. And of course, thanks to you for listening in. If you've enjoyed today's show and want to support Listen First Montana, please tell a friend about the show or post your favorite episode on social media. Those small steps can really help us connect these stories to more listeners. Our intro is a rendition of the Montana State song by Scott Gudger, and our other music is from Blue Dot Sessions. We'll see you soon with our next episode. Until then, thanks for listening to Listen First, Montana. Listen first, Montana.